0: Hello, in today's episode, I'm picking up again with my good friend and colleague, Mary Ellen Lynch, principal of Center Store Solutions here at IRI, um, to talk a little bit more about private brands. And particularly, I'd like to talk to you about inflation, some of those ongoing supply challenges. Um, I I just feel that at this point, there's got to be a lot of upside for private brands, but I also want to talk about some of the things that you and I talk about naturally, which is how private brands fit into some of those meal solutions, um, especially as retailers are promoting their own offerings and what some of those strategies look like. So, Mary Ellen, it's always great to have you. So, let's kick off today's conversation with inflation. And during the last recession, you know, probably around 2008, 2009. Private brands gained share. Now I know that we're not currently in a recession, even if it feels like it. But how are private brands faring against national brands? Yeah. So we, So
1: thank you, Joan. Happy to be here again with you. Always happy to chat. Um, so think about inflation. Inflation is economic, right? It's economically defined, and so even we're, though we're in a, a window of inflation here, it's really what the consumers, what's happening as a consumer is they're now beginning to exhibit even more and more a recessionary mindset or outlook. And so that's important because that affects their behavior and you'll start seeing behaviors more like you would have seen in a recession. So to set the stage, currently about 22% of units sold or purchased by household um, are um, private brands. And that's has had held steady versus pre-pandemic 2019, and they had gained steadily by small increments up until that point, right? So what we're seeing now with the price increases and the inflation is a, a more of a shift in behavior, and we're looking at Q1 2022, um, and what we're seeing is consumers are spending more yes, validate inflation, but they're actually buying less. They're buying fewer units. And what we're seeing is it's, it's proportional um, for national brands and private label for the most part, private brands.
0: Yeah, you know, we did. um, Even in our 2022 outlook, we knew that 2022, any growth in 2022 would be driven by price, rather than by um, volume. So what you're seeing is exactly what was predicted.
1: Right. And what and so more specifically on looking at the actual consumer behavior, all outlet, uh, we saw they bought about 3% fewer units per household, and they spent 6% more in dollars. So that equates about what they're saying about the inf- inflation trend in Q1, which is quite interesting. So you're seeing it, it is consistent with a recessionary behavior of buying less it's one of the strategies right buying less uh, minimizing few food waste looking for deals all of those strategies are starting to kick in
0: and what about promotions um are promotions kicking in because people are looking for deals
1: so promotion is interesting so it's one of the strategies being used by big brands national brands so in some cases they're not some of them have not actually taken shelf price up or to the degree some of the private brands have, um, or they are using, they, maybe they did take their shelf price up, but they are leveraging more trade and
0: deals. Okay. So it's the illusion maybe of, um, greater savings, even though like the, the promotional kind of offset some of that, those increased prices. Correct. Correct. Mm, okay. And it's a smart, this is consumers
1: are smart. They got a lot of information at their fingertips.
0: Yeah. But how are, so how would private brands, um, then what does that mean for private brands? Because they don't have the same level of promotional um, push against their offerings. And so what does this do to that price gap between national brands and private brands? And you, you bring up a
1: critical point. And when we talk about private brands and store brands, it's not just price. It's really that gap that's critically important. And what we're seeing, and we we just did a quick look across uh, uh, the categories, Q1, subcategories and categories, and what we see widespread narrowing of the price gap. And so price is just one component in the consumer's decision criteria, but it's critically important, right? And it sets the tone for value. And, you know, as that gap narrows, it provides less incentive for that store brand being seen as a greater value. And that store brand then needs to work harder and have more going for it. Sustainable package, um, you know, uh, flavors, uh, something specialty about it, something unique to retain that consumer.
0: And you know what? I think this will come when we talk a little bit more about, you know, some of those solutions, because I think you're right. I think private brands, don't leverage the overall value proposition like all the things that they have going for them compared to the national brands and that's kind of a a big miss you're right it, the product
1: um historically the product was the billboard the retailer owned the real estate the product was on shelf now the consumer is bombarded with all this information uh, digital ads um Still traditional um, ways of communicating with the consumer. Um, the retailer does have their loyalty component can communicate directly with their shoppers, which is key, and they should leverage that to the max. Um, you know, a greater need for continuity of how their store brands uh, uh, present themselves online and offline across the whole omni-channel. They have to be more sophisticated marketers and work with what they have
0: right now is there can you give us any example of maybe a retailer that is doing it right um or you know that a, val, a a retailer that has a really great value proposition for its store brand offerings well there's
1: there's two right so both you and I are in the chicago area so we'll talk about them right so we'll talk about the low price uh limited assortment competitor first and that's aldi And, you know, Aldi does a lot of things brilliantly, and they're just spot on right now. I mean, recently their CEO came out and said they're committed to having the lowest price in every community that they're in. I mean, that's a huge statement, right? So people are already, you know, enjoy shopping at Aldi, partially because it's limited assortment. You can get in and out fast, right? Um, They've really upped their games on their products. Um, and they are known for being low price, and they have some national brands in there, right? And then they creatively use, you know, what they, you know, uh, a whole uh, tribe calls the Isle of Shame, right? So they have those weekly items, in and out items that are seasonal, health and wellness, different toys, all kinds of things. And uh, that draws people into the store. So it's very creative, like a gimmicky, right? Um, the Isle of Shame. Yeah, there's a whole tribe, Facebook tribe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, was not
1: aware of it either until someone brought it to mean my attention. That they
0: shamelessly shop that aisle. Not they that didn't want to tell people that they're there
1: shopping that aisle. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, and
1: so that's you know, that's on one end, and that's a different, you know, that's a specific kind of retailer. But the second one that I, I've really been fascinated by is our jewel store who has, uh, has been pushing out these digital tastely, tasty type ads, and they're just really well done and they're Epicurean type, um, recipes, simple, and it high, highlights their store brands and they highlight it in the context of fresh and kind of gourmet approachable gourmet, which is, um, I really think quite brilliant.
0: So, and you've mentioned those to me before, and I, I've, I definitely think the quality of those videos is amazing, but I think that they could take it to the next level. You know, I think that there's examples out there and I'll use Kowalski's out of Minneapolis as a perfect example of, of a retailer that can do this. They almost have like end caps of all the solutions. So for example, one that you showed to me was about lamb burgers and how to create your own really gourmet beautiful lamb burgers with um, a tzatziki sauce and like a kind of a slaw that goes in there, just really super interesting. But I still have to hunt across the store for a lot of those ingredients. And I think that that end cap solution with maybe a chill case or, you know, a coffin of some kind, a chill coffin could um, be that go-to. The difference that I see from my end, um, the jewel that's near my home is they have really transported that middle part of the store. Before I get to the deli, before I get to the meat counter, before I get to seafood, are all sorts of prepared meals, many of which are under um, the chef's kitchen or whatever Jules um, brand is. There's some, there's some name brands in there. I remember seeing some like Rana pasta meals and things like that. But a lot of it is a store brand, all prepared. And I have to tell you, I have been stopped in my tracks so many times, like what, I, you know, go to the store and it's like, I'm on a a hunt for what's for dinner, thinking that I'm going to get inspiration when I get to the meat case and voila, there are so many different offerings, nicely packaged with a lot of accompanying items on the shelves surrounding. So it really is a destination meal solution. So I would love to see almost the combination of your videos in that space, right, and that's thinking like a bigger integrated
1: marketer, right? Like you have your digital marketer probably doing this, and your in-store marketing person doing this, and your cat man people doing this, and how do you bring that all together to you know harness that power? Yeah, of connecting to the shopper.
0: Super brilliant! Um, such a great opportunity. And I don't think that it would take that much more effort to break down some of those internal silos to get that team working together. And frankly, you know what? Especially with your Tasty videos, there's a nice brand offering too. Like get the brands to pay for some of the stuff um, because then you can fit in like a specific sauce or a specific name brand bun or something, whatever it happens to be, Um, get them to pay for the (laughs) awesome videos. (laughs) Just an idea. Um, Okay, let's talk a little bit about some of these out of stocks, because that has been a big challenge in the industry, gosh, for some time now. And we don't know, I don't know when the end of that is going to be. Um, But how does the strain of out of stocks impact private brands versus national brands? And is there an upside for private brands.
1: Yeah, out of stocks is a unique challenge and it is different for store brands versus national brands and part of it is the production itself, right? So if you're if you're making a national brand of a particular item, you have different sizes and shapes of that item and different packages of it. You can shift to running one thing what you're playing 24/7 and produce majority you know of your dominant size and and supply everybody right of course there's trucking logistics too involved but in terms of production but when you're the store brands their suppliers are supplying many stores and every store has a different label every store may have a different formula for that item or a slightly different package and so that means starting and stopping their production And so it's less efficient on on that front. And then then again, they have same issues of logistics and probably a little um, less opportunity with futures in terms of supply ingredients. So there is more more challenges. And so in terms of keeping items on shelf, the challenge is with um, always feeding the big dog first. If you're forced to feed the big dogs first, how does the local retailer, you know, which is a smaller banner, get their supply on shelf? And so it, it is a challenge. It's a challenge for retailers. And so um, how can those retailers optimize their store brand um, opportunity? You know, what is the assortment? Can they reduce to dominant um store brand items that are key to them to make things more efficient for their supplier. So yeah, it is, it is different. It is a challenge.
0: Well, and even thinking of some of these larger retailers who have pretty strong private brand programs, you know, one of the things that we've learned is that when a a consumer, when a shopper is at the shelf and they get to the shelf and they don't see their preferred brand, They've got a lot of options, you know, they've got maybe like four or five options, like leave the store, find something else. And 60% of those options kind of result in a lost sale. Now, choosing the private brand option is of you know probably popular with a little more than 25% of the population. But how can retailers do a better job of kind of snagging that potential lost sale and, and diverting it, converting it over to their private brand?
1: It, it's going to come down to the value equation for those shoppers, right?
0: Which and right back where
1: we started, right? Right, <laughs> right. and it's and it's um, you know it's again. We're ha- you know the consumer currently is developing more of that recession mindset. Mind the gap, right? If they can see like you know it is a greater value, I'm not going to you know try to find the national brand somewhere else. Um, is the quality there to match it and how can you get me to trust it and in most cases it has they have to try it first in order to trust it right and that means making it' uh, very economical for them to try have uh, samples in the store or small sizes which is counterintuitive to reducing price, for, you know, multi family packs, multi-packs, right? Price per item.
0: But I got to say right there, you know, that it might seem counterintuitive, but think about it. 72% of the population live in small households. They might not need the big value pack. They might really, truly, it's not just people living paycheck to paycheck and trying to just get something. Um, that smaller pack might be the answer for a lot of people anyway. And
1: you know it's one of the drivers for the dollar stores, right? When Ooh. you see their food aisles expanding, and they and they have all those small sizes that are a dollar, dollar twenty five. Well, maybe I buy spreadables for my small household. I don't need thirty two ounces. I can buy that brand, whatever six ounces in the dollar store. Yeah, and it also for those really on the cusp, really struggling budget wise, and that's a lot of households. Don't get me wrong, there's plenty of households with plenty of cash flow, but there's a good portion of households that are living paycheck to paycheck and they may have that last, you know, five or six dollars and they need to buy three items mm. and they and they can't spend it all on one item or they need. So the smaller pack achieves is a budget solution for them.
0: So Mary Ellen, you just said mind the gap, you know, in terms of what you can do with private brands. And I want to turn that a little bit as my closer into mine the gap. Like make the most of the differences between national brand and private brand. Talk up what you have that's that sets your brand, your store brands apart. Um, consumers are... Behaving like we're in a recession, even if we're technically not. To your point, there are so many households out there that are really struggling. So they're behaving like it's a recession. And that's where private brands have done well historically. Um, There are some categories that they can leverage that they've always done well in and kind of push people maybe to new categories. But it's critically important because the price has been narrowing to call out the genuine value proposition of what your store brands offer and try and bring your teams together for some of those great solutions. Like I definitely want to see your video come to life in a single merchandise space in Jewel one of these days. Um, So with that. And if we see
1: that, that means they saw they listened to this
0: podcast. Yeah, they're listening to us. Yay. <laughs> um, Mary Ellen, thanks for your time. And I look forward to our next conversation. Likewise. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.